Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to The Referral with me, Dr. Curran. This is your weekly science podcast to improve your understanding of the human body and give you actionable science-based tools to improve your health. I'm Dr. Curran. I'm a surgeon in the NHS, and I'm also a medical school lecturer. Now, in today's episode, I want to talk about something which is not really talked about a lot, and it's literally a silent epidemic. It's all about hearing and hearing loss. Joining me today to discuss hearing loss and hearing impairment is Tasha Gori. Now, she is from Love Island, one of the world's biggest reality TV shows. She's a fully-fledged celebrity, podcaster, dancer, and a massive advocate for the deaf community. And we actually had an open conversation about this a few weeks ago and a lot came out and, you know, they they were at the point where they go to bed in tears being guilty. Wow. And that's how, I don't want to cry, but that's kind of how bad it got in terms of growing up. And coming up a bit later in the show, I love answering your questions. So I'm going to answer a bit in crowd science, the bit where you ask a question and I'll do a deep dive into that. Now, if you want your own question featured on this show, get in touch at thereferralpod.com. If you want to listen to even more scientific explanations and deeper dives into your health curiosities, go and subscribe to The Referral Plus. You can also get all of my main episodes completely ad-free. Just visit the Referral Show page on Apple Podcasts and hit the Try Free button at the top of the page to begin your free trial today. Before we understand how hearing can go wrong and hearing loss can develop with all the flaws and glitches of the body, I'm going to take you back to school and give you a much more fun science lesson on how normal hearing works. So how do you hear sound? First of all, you've got the big flappy bits on the outside that you can see, the pinna, that's basically your human version of antennae. They gather the sound waves and they conduct it down the ear canal. And then they hit the eardrum and cause the eardrum to start to vibrate. And depending on the type of sound and the frequency of sound, it can cause differences in how fast or how much the actual eardrum vibrates. And these vibrations of the eardrum are then passed through three very tiny bones, the malleus, the incus, and the stapes. And if you remember that from high school biology or whenever you learned it, that literally stands for hammer, anvil, and stirrup. Now, these tiny little bones are miraculous. They basically act as sound amplifiers. Whatever sound vibrations are, you know, created by the eardrum, that is amplified by these tiny little bones. Then the stapes, the stirrup, the last of these tiny little ear bones, it then knocks on the cochlea, which is this snail shell shaped little thing. And now we're reaching the inner ear. And if you've got a mental image of your head of a snail shell with all its spiral type shape, that is essentially what the cochlea looks like. It's filled with fluid and filled with thousands and thousands of tiny little hairs called stereocilia. Now, when these little ear bones knock on the cochlea, it causes that to move around and the fluid moves and the fluid moving causes these hair cells to move as well. Now, as soon as these hair cells start to move, it changes that energy of movement into electricity. 
And that electricity is then passed through the auditory nerve, the eighth cranial nerve, and then goes through as electrical signals to the brain. The brain then reads that electricity as the sounds you perceive. That is a biological miracle. I can't express how complex and how beautiful that all is. And that is how normal hearing works. Tasha Guri. Hello. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me in this podcast. If you look at the UK as a whole, I was pretty shocked to read that about 12 million people in the UK yeah. are deaf. Yeah. So that's about one in six people are deaf. And I suspect that figure will be mirrored in probably every country in the world, that one in six-ish figure. Mm-hmm. Being a part of that deaf community, it's it feels sometimes like it's isolated and cut off, but their friends, family, colleagues, co-workers. It's crazy to think that in the UK, like you said, it's literally one in six people that are deaf. And there's, so, there's not much spoken enough about it. Like I feel like it's very overlooked in terms of oh, it's not a proper disability. And it's more of a hidden kind of disability. It's actually, that's not the case. It actually does affect our lives daily, in and out. Every day it still affects me, but I still get on with it. And, you know, it's something that I was born with. Like you said, I was born to a hearing family. So it's something very, very new for them. They have no idea how to navigate mm. and deal with, you know, me being deaf. And I have an older brother as well, and he's hearing. And it was kind of tough as a family to go through while growing up. And it was such a big thing for them to adapt to. They really had to change ways around me and yeah. really put a lot of attention into me and a lot of effort. That's why I went to mainstream schools because they kind of put me in a situation where I had to force my speech to get better. I had okay. to be around people that had conversations. I really had to work hard and learn to communicate. And I was the only deaf person in my school. Really? Yeah. Wow. You were born mm-hmm. deaf. Yeah. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, what was the specific cause of the deafness? We actually don't know. Oh, you know, well. the doctors just said sometimes it can just happen. It wasn't genetic. Really? No one in my family is deaf at all. So at first it was kind of a shock because my family was like, oh, we didn't expect this at all. There's no family history about it. So the doctors just said it's, it can just happen. Sometimes, you know, we can be born with a disability. It's just how it is. Yeah. Um, they found out when I was 12 months old, which is quite late okay, on. Okay, yeah. And that's just because... I wasn't responding to like squeaky toys or like responding to my parents' sounds, voices. And they were yeah. a bit like, okay, she's not responding how she normally should be. And they went to do hearing tests and that's when mm. they said, okay, she's deaf. And that's kind of where the journey started pretty much. So what was your first involvement with medical professionals in trying to, you know, give you some hearing back? What was the first treatment you had or interaction? So my first operation I had, I was five years old, and it's quite late late on because my parents had to make that decision for me. They're the ones that kind of have to say, okay, you're going to get a cochlear implant. Because yeah. I was five, I couldn't make that decision yeah. for myself. Yeah. I had no idea what's going on. And at that age, back then, this is literally, how old am I, 25? Literally 20 years ago. Wow, yeah. So te- technology back then is, isn't like how it was now. So it's kind of experiment to see how it worked on me. So that's why I only got it on my right ear, not on both ears. And it's just kind of just to see, okay, let's see if this will work out for her because sometimes it won't work. And yeah. Sometimes it will work. And that's just how it works. And yeah, so it was five years old and I couldn't speak until then. I was doing BSL, 
before then, yeah. So I was fluent in BSL. So even now, like, sometimes I talk with my hands. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, that's how I was communicating. And then I had to force my speech. I had speech therapy after when I was five. And I had to stop using BSL to get my speech better. So when you had that surgery at five, that was a cochlear implant that you had. <laughs> yeah. What is a cochlear implant to you? I mean, did you dig into like how it all works and the science behind it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know the scientific words as such, but basically, you've got an external and an internal part. So the external is like an earpiece. I say it's yeah. like a cool, like, spy device kind yeah. of vibe. Yeah, so like a Bluetooth headset type thing, <laughs> yeah, right? It's yeah, it's just like, a, it just goes around the hook, hook yeah. around the back of my ear. The microphone's at the front. Yeah. And you've got the internal, which is what the operation's for. And it's very, very clever how it works. But basically, the internal, so I've got a magnet in my head. The coil, the external coil connects to the magnet inside my head. And that's what activates the implant, internal and external. And when you're talking to me, the sound travels, well, the headphones, it travels through the microphone at the front. It goes through the wire, through the magnet, into my ear, and that's how sound travels. And it's like a processor that recognises sounds and yeah. transmits it to my brain. That's basically how it works. I don't hear from my ear, I hear from the implant. So that's, yeah. that's where people get a bit confused. Um, so it's kind of like, I say it's like a robot earpiece, basically. Yeah, I, no, I think it's fascinating. When when I was a medical student, I did like a four-week attachment with an ENT surgeon, an ear, nose, throat surgeon. Yeah. And I saw a couple of, you know, quite cool things. One was like a, a bone-assisted hearing, mm. or bone-anchored hearing device. And one was a cochlear implant. We saw the surgery. It took about, you know, sort of an hour or so. And literally you know, getting into that and using these coils mm -hmm. and using that coil to go directly into the hearing nerve, the auditory nerve, and basically firing electricity so it goes and feeds the sound into yeah. your brain. When you first got that as a five-year-old, you're saying before five, you, I'm assuming you were non-verbal, you didn't speak yeah, at all. Yeah, non-verbal, yeah. And it's just purely sign language, British sign language. Yeah. And you mentioned before about how obviously your family had to adapt for you because no one in your family, uh, you know, was deaf at all. Yeah. How much of a change was it for them? Was it stressful for them? What, what was the kind of like the family situation like in your younger years? Oh, I think it was definitely tough for them, but we were lucky. We had a lot of support around us. So the primary school that I was in, we were really supportive. And I also had a carer called Mary Ann, and she would come around and do speech therapy lessons with me. She'd be there with me in primary school. Um, she'd do lessons with me and, you know, a lot of extra work on the outside. But I think for me growing up, when you're growing up as a child slash teenager, you're kind of figuring out who you are as a person mm. and you compare yourself. That's what just happens naturally. And I was comparing myself in such a negative way to other people being like, why have I got this disability? Why, yeah. have I, why am I deaf? Like, why me? And that put a lot of pressure on my parents to the point where I'd actually would blame them for making me deaf. It was, really? It got that bad. And we actually had an open conversation about this a few weeks ago and a lot came out and, you know, they they were at the point where they go to bed in tears being guilty. Wow. And that's how, I don't want to cry, but that's kind of how bad it got in terms of growing up because, like, for me, I'm so thankful that I, I yeah. got this gift in a way because I'm doing what I'm doing now. Yeah. But back then, I was just struggling so much with my confidence and knowing who I was and dealing with my disability. I'm born into a hearing family. They're not obviously going to get everything that I'm going through. And I think that's what was hard sometimes. My parents had to really try and understand why sometimes I just get frustrated and just yeah. sometimes get my implant and throw it out. There were situations wow. like that where I literally just get so angry with myself. Or if there's a conversation I'm missing out, I just get really upset. 
but they were so supportive and they stayed with me throughout and they were patient. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing. Patience is key. And I think just being understanding and we're so close that like we're a family. 80-90% of deaf children mm. are born to hearing parents so yeah. your situation will be mirrored by most deaf children for a certain age until they either regain hearing or at least partial hearing so mm. you know those struggles those anxieties and frustrations will be quite common and yeah. I guess did you ever feel you mentioned sometimes you were frustrated that you weren't part of a conversation. Did you ever feel socially isolated either at home or even at school to the point where, you know, even you'd get bullied because of your perceived mm. difference? Yeah, there's been many times where I feel socially isolated. Even to this day now, when I go to events and there's so much going on, I'm yeah. like, oh, there's a lot of background noise. I, I can't understand what people are saying to the point where I just sneak out and just go home and just sit and live Sounds like me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but luckily in school, I wasn't bullied as such, but I was, I was cyber-bullied, but really? that's just like keyboard warriors kind of situation. Yeah. But luckily, face-to-face, -face, I didn't go through that. Um, I had really good support of friends around me in school. But there'd be times where my friends would have conversations because I have to lip-read as well. And I would feel a bit left out because I... I'd be trying, so this is what I do. So there'd be a conversation, I'd be just nodding along, being like, yeah, yeah, just <laughs> fake laughing. I'd be like, ha ha. Someone starts laughing, I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> thinking like, I've no idea what the conversation yeah. is. Even to this day, I do that now, like I so now. And it, it's a weird thing, especially teachers in school, when you're sat in a classroom, yeah. even if there'd be times I'd be put in the back, not even at the front. Really? Yeah. There wasn't much consideration taken in place. <clears throat> and Nearing teachers write on whiteboards, mm. they'd turn away, they'd be talking to the whiteboard. I'm Aww. sat there like, I need to see your face, I need to lip read. So there'd be times where I missed out on so many notes and I did oh. okay in my exams, but I could have done better if I had, those, if I got everything that I needed to get. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot, going through school, there's a lot of isolation, but I was lucky enough to have friends and support around me to get through it in a way. Um, but even to this day now, I still struggle with, conversations and big yeah. groups going to bar and even like me and Andrew if we're going somewhere that's noisy I'm yeah. literally like I honestly cannot hear you right now we'll go somewhere a bit quieter so it's just figuring out what's best for you in a way I was actually pretty powerful in terms of I think we underestimate the impact that deafness and lack of understanding from mm -hmm. people in school people in positions of authority like teachers can have on the education and learning of a deaf child, like you mentioned, that would directly affect a kid's grades. Mm -hmm. And then it's easy to say, oh, he's a deaf kid and he's not doing well because of his deafness. But actually, it's because we're not shaping our learning environment to yeah. improve his situation or her situation. Yeah, 100%. It's actually... A proven fact, I did a campaign a few weeks ago, I was on this morning, we were actually talking about how deaf, deaf children in schools are missing out on so much information yeah. and their grades are lacking purely because of that. You know, the teachers aren't aware of how to make it a safe environment for them and actually make it better for them. And that's something that we're fighting now and we're trying to get teachers to even go through like a deaf awareness course or something. Hello listeners of The Referral, it's me, Dr. Curran. 
Are you tired of scouring the internet for medical answers only to end up on shady websites? Is your For You page full of TikTok experts pushing miracle weight loss drugs and superfoods? There's so many myths and nonsensical health advice out there on the internet, but on our weekly crowd science episodes, I'm helping real listeners like you get the truth. Subscribe to the Referral Plus and you'll get access to additional crowd science episodes every week devoted entirely to answering your questions. Plus, as an added bonus, you'll enjoy ad-free listening of all our episodes. You can even try it for free. Just head over to the referral show page on Apple Podcasts and click on the Try Free button at the top of the page to start listening today. Have a question of your own? Visit theReferralPod.com and submit it. There is no question too weird or too awkward for me. So what are you waiting for? Don't let the internet deceive you. Subscribe now to the Referral Plus and start getting answers today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Even now, like you mentioned, when you were younger, you had the cyber bullies and things mm -hmm. like that. Do you get any of that now with your bigger platform where you got more people aware of your condition now? Probably triple, quadruple really? I had before, yeah. Oh my God. It's crazy. Even when I was on the show, I think people couldn't, accept the fact that you know times are changing and you know me going on a show is kind of groundbreaking moment of you know you know someone with the hearing loss is going on a show that wears cochlear implant and there's so many comments such as you know I'll rip out a cochlear implant throw it in the pool her voice is annoying I always see comments every day probably three to four comments a day about my voice because we have something called a deaf accent. Yeah. And that's just purely because it's just something that we have, the way our tone is. Um, our accents are very different to a normal hearing person's accent. And I try to educate that as much as I can, but people still will take the mick out of it and really slander it down. But I'm quite strong in that way to kind of turn it into a positive thing. Okay, I can use this to educate people and share that message that, you know, the reason why my voice sounds like this is yeah. because da 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 da. And yeah, unfortunately, it's something that I, that, you know, do have to deal with having a bigger platform, but I knew that was going to come with it mm. going on the show. And but I'm just very shocked at what people can say and just write on that keyboard. It really is surprising. I really don't understand it because. Those people who do comment, you know, toxic things online, mm. they probably know someone with a hearing impairment or who are deaf. It might even be their family. Yeah. So it really shocks me because if you look, you know, one in six people in the UK who are deaf, you probably know someone or a friend of a friend who is like that. So if your friend saw you writing that, what would they think? Exactly. You know, it's quite weird. Do you still use BSL? Are you still fluent in it now that you don't have to use it so much? I'm trying to get back into it more because um, growing up, I was kind of, I really had to not use it for my speech yeah. to get better. Um, to point, even in school, this is what, I think if it was taught in schools, I would have carried on with it and still would have it now. That's why hopefully GCSE, BSL will come in school yeah. soon. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't have that. So I kind of had to really, you know, my, my family also around me had to stop using BSL to yeah. communicate with me through oh, wow. speech. And so, yeah, I'm trying to get back into it now because, you know, it's a part of 
the deaf community, it's part, it was a part of me as well. And I do want to get that back. So yeah. I'm ben- eventually going to grow back into it. Why isn't BSL part of a school curriculum? Yeah. Is yeah. that, I mean, I'm presuming you weren't taught that at school specifically. No. And it's something you had to learn mm-hmm. to then fit in 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 society. I mean, is there anything that you've seen, any evidence that it will ever become a thing in school where you just learn it as like another language, basically? Yeah, so I actually went to the Department of Education the other month. Oh. It's currently in the Parliament at the moment. Okay. Yeah, so hopefully by 2025, it will be in schools wow. to learn as a GCSE course. I learned French in school. Yeah. And I mean... It could be beneficial for people, but for me, it wasn't. Uh, I've not once used French ever since I learned it. Whereas BSL, there's so many deaf people that I do meet, you know, out on the street or they come over to say hello. And it just goes to show that it's such, it's about making them feel more included and making them feel more accepted in society. And it's about those little steps and little changes. So it is getting there. And I hope by 2025, it will yeah. be a course. No, I, I absolutely hope that happens because as you said, it allows you to open up to a bigger demographic. So as someone who's obviously not deaf, I might have deaf patients. And as a doctor, you know, I don't want to be typing out all my stuff and showing it. I I should learn BSL so I can communicate directly in that deaf person's kind of, you know, native language as it were. So it's easier for them to understand what I'm saying and I can treat them in the best possible way. And obviously, I mean, this is a bit silly, but, you know, I saw that um, movie, The Quiet Place. Oh, yes. Obviously, you need to know BSL, otherwise (laughs) you'll be, you know, killed by the creatures. (laughs) So a lot of people think that ears is just for hearing and hearing Mm. sounds, music and people talking. But actually, it's also contributes to your sense of balance as well. Uh And I know your background is dancing as well. Yeah. How how was that being deaf and then getting your cochlear implant and then dancing? Did it affect how you learned dancing and your sense of coordination and balance? Right, so basically, how it all started, I used to watch Steps on TV and oh, I used yeah. to follow the dance moves. My mum and dad was like, let's take her to a dance class, see what happens. And dancing music massively helped with yeah. my hearing. And I think it's because you know, you're learning music, you're understanding beats of the music. And the way I feel the music, I feel it through the vibration yeah. and through my body. And I don't necessarily hear the specific lyrics unless I go and Google and learn it, then I'll know. But if it's a song I never heard before, I should go off the beats and feel it through, like, my headphones. I can feel it. It's, it's, I, I like, we hear it so differently, but yeah. it feels so good. And with wow. dancing, it just became my passion like I just loved it it is interesting because obviously we, we have a sense of balance we do lose a bit of balance and you know if we're doing a pre-work turn if I turn to my right I can do it but if I turn to my left my balance will be way off your your the right cocker, ears and the cochlear implant yeah so it's very interesting like if I turn to my right my balance is literally whoa yeah. completely off and so I really have to train myself as a dancer so I'll be in there in the morning doing balance work that would help me doing turn work that would help me and it got better and better and that's what it is you kind of have to train your muscles it's like muscle memory and brain memory and that's what you know dance a bit is about you know you're learning choreography and that's how you remember it and it's all about muscle memory I can learn something today and remember it next week yeah that's how I became who I am today as well that's how I found my confidence was with dancing because it's such a safe open space no one gets judged you can go in that dance class be who you want to be and just sweat it out and just enjoy it for like an hour and a half so you know that's that's so interesting so we all have that bone conduction but in your case you also have that 
yeah. literal feeling. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Like even, you know, someone sings yeah. and they hit that high note. Yeah. I can literally like, I get, I get goosebumps. Really? I can just really feel it. It's crazy. Like even at a concert, I saw, I saw Coldplay the other week and I just... I couldn't stop smiling because wow. I can just feel the music around me, the atmosphere, and it, it's it, interesting. We really feel it through our body, and it, it's kind of like it's mm. like a happiness feeling. Oh, like you just feel like serotonin, and yes, yeah, yeah, that's the word. That's wow. what it feels like when I listen to music. And sometimes I even take about my implant, yeah. put my headphones in, and just listen to it deaf, and I feel it so differently, and really? I love it. Yeah. So if you take off your implant mm -hmm. and you're just listening to music, you obviously don't get the clarified words and sounds, but yeah. you still feel the vibrations, and that still does something for you. Yeah, yeah, you can feel that like, the bass, the like the drums. Wow. You can feel that like, doom, doom, doom. I can feel it. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. You know, is there anything that you find in your day to day life now with mm -hmm. a cochlear implant? Are you limited by still? I wouldn't say so. I think because I've learned how to adapt and now you know, I live in a flat with my boyfriend we've got yeah. a dog now and I think when you're growing up you learn what's best for you and what works for you especially like me and Andrew's relationship he understands me very well to the point that sometimes in the morning I won't put on my implant for like at least an hour so I like to enjoy it and just wow. you know take my time with it putting it on um, and I can still have conversations with him because I can lip read and yeah. sometimes I'm like I have no idea what he's saying but we just <laughs> laugh it off and it's, yeah like I said it's just about knowing what works for you and of course there's still limitations in terms of events that I go to and having to socialise with people I do get very very exhausted mm. so deaf people have something called concentration fatigue and that's something you know even on the show I dealt with as well it's where because your brain's working so much oh, I'm yeah. having to lip read and also having to hear all these sounds the background noises and all the other things that come with it at the end of the day I can be so exhausted to the point yeah. I can't even speak myself I have to take out my implant and just relax and really take my time to recharge have a nap on love island i was literally having a nap for two hours while the girls were getting ready i was literally <laughs> out it. on the terrace napping I beautiful i literally have about 20 minutes to get ready they're like tasha it's time to wake up got 20 <laughs> minutes i'm literally there like quickly getting ready um it's just yeah so concentration fatigue is something that we suffer with and i get migraines as well really because of the magnet strength sometimes gets oh. really start causing a headache and to a point it turns into a migraine but that's just something that comes with it. So, um, yeah, that's like a side effect, I would say. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, that makes sense. I mean, because your brain is working so hard mm -hmm. to grab onto any sensation and sensory input it can. Yeah. But on mm -hmm. the other hand, you said some days you just like to, you know, it takes take your time putting your cochlear implant on. Yeah. Is that nice? Just being in silence and disconnecting? Oh, I love it. It's like my favorite mm. thing ever. I yeah. just I don't know what it is I just love even sometimes take Luna out for a walk and yeah. not have it in and I think it's just I enjoy the peace and yeah. the standstill of it because my life's quite hectic <clears throat> and chaotic in terms of having to go to all these premieres events and yeah. showing up to all these places all the time yeah. sometimes I just like to ground myself that's why when I take it out I just feel so grounded and relaxed and calm and just really bring myself back to myself in a way and it's kind of like my safe space of okay this is me time yeah and that's what I like to use it as because you can disconnect from that and not have any of those outside sensations and because you were born deaf as well yeah have you ever thought to yourself and hear yourself in your head like an inner voice or an inner monologue oh yeah I have like an inner voice that's like, that you can hear yourself inside talking yeah so it's like an inside voice like 
in your little so right now yeah it's talking to me yeah it is yeah, talking have to that, you. yeah have that little thing and, in my and head. if you're like you know you're doing a bunch of things like okay you got to go pick up some stuff you got to go out for this event later this meeting are you also narrating like okay tasha go and do this go is that voice telling you something to go and do stuff as yeah, well yeah 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 i've definitely got that 100 yeah. when i take up my implant it's like talking to me sometimes really yeah sometimes when i'm home alone i'll be like in the shower I'd be like, oh, so the door, like in my head, I'd be like, is the door locked? Like, is it locked? Things like that. And what about your dreams? If you have a dream, is are there is there audio in your dream? Or is it all visual and vivid? That's a very good question. I'm a dreamer. I dream yeah. a lot. I would say there is audio, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of make up. Yeah, there is. That's As interesting. someone who's been such a big advocate and going through lots of discrimination, mm. bullying, cyberbullying, and, you know, a lot of hurdles along the way, what advice would you have for other people who are deaf and especially young kids dealing mm. with it in mainstream schools and not having access to resources which includes them in society? Do you know what? I always go by this quote. This is literally, everyone's probably heard me say this so many times, yeah. but no one else is you and that's your biggest power. And that's something I stand by every day. If you're ever feeling down or if you're struggling, just remember that nobody else is you. And that's yeah. something so amazing to have. And you know, in school, it will get hard, but just be patient and ground yourself and just remember that it won't always be hard. You know, you will find your wins, you will find your path and you will find what works for you in the future. And, and don't be scared as well. Don't let your disability stop you. Don't let it define you. If anything, it's something unique that you have. Yeah. And, and it's all about just be unstoppable and be brave and go for it. And yeah, never and let it stop you. You've epitomized and manifested that. And again, as someone who's so deeply like rooted in that deaf community, I was quite interested in deaf culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's become its own identity as well. Yeah. And yeah. there are lots of families of, you know, deaf parents who have a deaf child and they want the child to continue being deaf because, mm-hmm. you know, having that nonverbal communication is a gift in its own right. What do you, I mean, if it's not too personal, one day if you had a family and kids of your own, yeah. and if your child was born deaf, would what would be your thoughts about uh, looking at uh, restoring their hearing versus continuing to be part of the deaf community without any hearing? Oh, that's a good question. I've never been asked that before, ever. Do you know what? The deaf culture is actually crazy. There's so much politics in the deaf yeah, culture. Yeah, that's what I thought. There's so much politics that... Even to myself, I couldn't believe like the things that that beliefs that people have. Then again, it's, it's beliefs that people do have. And I think if I was to have a child of my own that was born deaf, I think I would love to give the child an opportunity, you know, if to, to have hearing. And because for me personally, the cochlear implant opened up so many opportunities yeah. for me. It's got me to where I am now, and I'd love to give that opportunity to my child as well. And in a way. I feel like if you're born deaf, I didn't ask for it. Yeah. It came to me. Yeah. And I feel like I'll see that same for my child. So I think I'd love to get, yeah, that's probably what I'll do for my child is exactly what my parents did for me. It'd be nice to give them that opportunity of having both things. Like for me, I have both things. I can be deaf for a week and enjoy it <laughs> yeah. if I wanted to. So exactly, I want to give my child that opportunity as well to have the best of both worlds in a way. 
And I know the deaf community as well is really hot on language, as are mm. many different communities. Like, you know, people who are neurodivergent like to have the identity first. Yeah. So they don't like to say uh, a child with autism, an autistic child. I guess it's similar in the deaf community, a deaf child as a rather than a child with a, with deafness or a child with a hearing impairment, because that suggests it's something negative. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? And how would, what's like the kind of lingo and the jargon you want to be out there for the deaf community? I just say I'm hearing impaired. That's okay. how I like to identify myself and label yeah. myself. And that's just something I've always grown up saying that was, you know, because yeah. I've got cochlear implants, so I'm hearing impaired. And I know for some people, they don't like to label yes. and identify themselves like that. And even the lowercase d, deaf, Ah. That means that, you know, I'm deaf with a lowercase d. And there's so many different, like if you do an uppercase d, you can't remember what uppercase d deaf means for, or I think it's... Um, so capital D deaf. Yeah, means something else. But really? lowercase d means deaf, like hearing loss deaf. It's very interesting. Wow. Cu their culture, the deaf culture is, you know, terminology, identity. There's so many different ways to identify yourself. And... You know, I think it's just finding out what's best, how you want to identify yourself is completely up to you. But I don't necessarily like to be identified as a deaf person. For example, when, when I went on the show, all the articles were like, first deaf islander mm, on the show. Yeah, yeah. And I completely get it. It was amazing, positive, groundbreaking change that needed to happen. But at the same time, it's like, I do have a name, you know. I, <laughs> I do yeah, have... you're a person. Yeah, I am a person. So it, those little things sometimes do get to me a little bit. Um, they'll be like, oh yeah, some people be like, oh yeah, that's that deaf binder that's on the show. And it's like, no, that's not how I label myself. Yeah. I'm, you know, Tasha. And I also feel, again, some of the myths about, uh, you know, being deaf mm. is that it's an all-encompassing umbrella term. Like, you're deaf means you're, you're just deaf. It's one condition. Mm -hmm. But actually, like, as we know, there are so many different causes why you can be deaf. You can be from earwax buildup, something benign like that, to yeah. a tumor around the ear, to a perforated eardrum, to, um, you know, all sorts of different other things, otosclerosis or whatever. So there's so many different things. Some are treatable, some are not, some yeah. can be managed. So I also feel like it's a bespoke thing. If you're deaf, doesn't mean you are part of just one group. There's so many little mm -hmm. subgroups and sub brackets within that. Yeah. Um, like like you said there, it's interesting because you can literally turn deaf any day. Yeah. It could be from loud music and boom. You know, I've met so many people that have been in like, you know, I was hearing until the age of 16, I just lost it one day. Yeah, that's it. And, and I don't think we should separate it as part of the human body or normal mm. part of human life because eventually age-related deafness yeah. in some capacity, you know, if we, as we live longer and longer, longer, that will affect us. You know, someone mm. who's 90 and healthy will have a worse hearing than they did at age of 20. Yeah. So for me as well, even when I'm in the hospital or if I'm in a, on a busy road and, you know, listening to, uh, listening to music or if there's like roadworks going on, I'm so mindful these days of, okay, I don't want to expose myself to loud noises for too long. Yeah. Because like, as we're talking right now, you know, I guess like the conversation maybe around 60 decibels, just mm -hmm. us talking. Um, maybe, you know, again, music we listen to around the same. A whisper yeah. might be around 30 decibels. But actually, if you look at the science, persistently having 80 decibels or above is actually quite harmful to those uh, you know, our ears and the hair cells in our ears, which can actually be destroyed. And once they're destroyed, yeah, they don't grow back. Yeah. So I think I wish people, you know, like stuff, I love the stuff you're doing and I wish people 
cared more about yeah. the ears and deafness? Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Like you said, it's just very overlooked. And I think yeah. maybe people are scared to talk about it because they yeah. know that eventually it could happen to them when they age. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just that fear. And I think, yeah, like I said, I think people just don't see it as a proper disability and just think, oh, they're deaf, they can deal with it. They've got a cochlear yeah. implant, it's fixed. It's like, no, that's not the case. The cochlear implant hasn't fixed my ear at all. It's just... Something that, you know, I hear from a robotic implant is what I say. It's actually, helps you. Yeah, helps me hear. Get into the hearing world, yeah. as it were. Yeah. yeah, so I think there's a lot of misconceptions um, around deafness, 100%. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Tasha, before I let you go, you've got a question for me. I don't know what it is, but feel free to fire away. Okay, so I want to ask, what is the scariest operation you've ever done? Oof, that is a good question. There are quite a few scary ones that I've done. Probably the scariest one and the one that really sticks in my mind from many years ago, it was a cancer operation. And a specific type of cancer called pseudomyxoma peritoni. Mm-hmm. And the colloquial name for that is uh, jelly belly. Oh. So when you open up these people, they literally have this all this mucus and jelly-like material all in their insides. And it's really scary to see. And it's it's a horrible condition. And you end up removing essentially, mm. you know, sometimes most of their colon, the ovaries, uterus, some pelvic structures, you know, and you can essentially, you're scooping out so many of their organs because this jelly, yeah. this mucinous stuff can just like affect everything. And it's a, it's a type of cancer, but it can sort of affect all organs inside and spread everywhere. And mm. it's quite horrible. And the weirdest part is, that's one part of the operation. And the second part of the operation is once you've removed all of that jelly stuff and the cancer that you can see, you then basically put like a little swimming pool full of hot chemotherapy inside their belly. Oh, and wow. you leave it for like half an hour or something. And then you come back and you drain off that fluid. Wow. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. And Thank you. again, you know, I, I love what you're doing to raise awareness. I always like on these podcasts and the stuff I do online, talk about taboo topics, raise awareness about invisible conditions and things people tend to talk about less. So, you know, again, fantastic to have you here and Thank keep you. advocating for the deaf community. Thank you for having me. So that was Kashiguri, and to keep up that theme of hearing loss and all things ears, I want to get into the nitty gritty of all of that nonsense you hear online. There are so many myths about hearing loss, about hearing impairment, and that's why we've got If It Ducks Like a Quack to crush those ridiculous medical myths. Now, one of the things I've seen circulated online is the myth that if you start wearing hearing aids at a young age, you become overly dependent on them. 
you hear sound in your brain. I know that's a weird concept to understand, but essentially your ears are a sensory organ and they give the sound waves converted to electricity to your brain. And it's your brain that appreciates that sound, that music, that cat meowing or screaming. It all happens in your brain. And if you deprive your brain of those sounds, there is evidence that slowly that part of the brain, the auditory regions, begin to switch off. So actually stimulating your brain and the auditory pathways with sound from a young age is important in communication, language development, and that part of the brain which is essential in interpreting those electronic signals into sound. Now this other myth, again, frequently circulated online and usually on social media with some ridiculous ear cleaning trend as well. Wax is unhygienic. Now you may have seen on TikTok or Instagram these videos going viral about people, you know, doing ear candling where they put some flames near their ears and they're basically trying to get rid of ear wax because it's unhygienic, it's dirty. It's not. Now ear wax is a combination of sweat and oils and skin and it basically helps to trap harmful toxins and bugs and microbes that could cause problems in your ears. So it's actually doing you a favor and helping you self-clean your ears. But in some cases, it can build up and it can stick to the eardrum, stop it vibrating, and basically cause a mechanical obstruction to the flow of those sound waves and limit the amount of vibrations that the eardrum can give to the inner ear. And in those cases when earwax builds up to a dangerous level and causes partial deafness or even a fully blown conductive hearing deafness, then you may need to see a healthcare practitioner to get your wax removed, microsuction or any other ways they may want to do it. If you have really hard earwax, which can be painful, then you might want to consider safely prescribed by a medical professional some sodium bicarbonate drops to soften that wax. You can use olive oil drops, especially for itchy ears. I would avoid those social media trends of pouring, you know, strong hydrogen peroxide into your ear that's not diluted, ear candling, flames near your ears, and generally sticking things in your ears that you wouldn't stick near your private parts. And in this week's Crowd Science, we have a question from Kieran who asks, I'm 45 and I've had a dodgy knee for many years now since my 20s when I tore the cartilage on a night out. Oops. At the time, the doctor said because I was young, it would heal itself. Nowadays, it's causing more and more pain. And I wonder if it's my age that's causing it to get worse again. Can that happen? Would really like to know. So Kieran, that's a really important question and I'm sorry you're struggling with this chronic knee pain it seems for a long time now. And again, there is a bit of nuance to be had here. And if you are having chronic knee pain that is affecting your quality of life, that's debilitating you in any way, you should go and see a doctor so you can be referred to a specialist to assess you. But based on what you've said, the limited evidence of what you said and understand as well that I'm not able to examine you or have any access to your specific history, but looking at the literature, there is a higher incidence of post-traumatic knee osteoarthritis, especially after injuries like an ACL injury or any sort of ligament or knee injury that you've had. So a sports person who's had an ACL injury or even yourself, when you're a young man, you had an ACL injury, that will increase your risk of osteoarthritis and definitely earlier osteoarthritis as well. And if you want to go back and listen to my episode I did with Simon Fleming, who's an orthopedic surgeon, we cover osteoarthritis 
arthritis, that narrowing of the joint space in the knee where essentially the cartilage thins to a point where it's almost disappeared and you've got the two bones that surround the knee sort of rubbing and crunching against each other and causing that pain. But also having an ACL injury or some sort of ligament tear or some sort of injury to the knee at an early age, that can also increase your risk of chronic pain in the knee as well. That is quite common. So definitely go and see a specialist to get that looked at. And, you know, if simple painkillers don't work, you may need a combination of seeing a specialist, physio, rehab. So, you know, hope that helps. And in this week's Crowd Science Extra, we've got a question from Dolly from Dorset, a very nice part of the country. Dolly said basically she's getting back into the gym and in her gym, she's been using a special scale that tells her her BMI and the BMI has given her some degree of anxiety and it's ruined her mood and affecting her going to the gym. Is the BMI all it's cut out to be? Is it real? Is it worthwhile measuring your BMI? I answer all that and more in this week's Crowd Science Extra. Get in touch at thereferralpod.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Referral. So yes, I am a real doctor, but it's important to know that I'm not your specific doctor. So if you have any personal medical advice, please contact your own healthcare professional. And remember, nothing on this show is intended to provide or replace any specific medical advice that you'd otherwise receive from your own healthcare professional. This has been a Sony Music production. Production management was Jen Mystery. Videos by Ryan O'Meara. Studio engineer was Teddy Riley. Music by Josh Carter. Grace Lakewood and Hannah Talbot were the producers. And Gaynor Marshall and Chris Skinner are the executive producers. I know you absolutely love this podcast and you're going to love even more. If you want to check out all the other episodes and all of those lovely health tips, hit the follow, give me a subscribe and a five-star review. Obviously, I'll see you next time.